Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest to In the Oil Patch radio show, Todd Staples, who is the president of the Texas Oil and Gas Association, better known as Texoga. Todd, welcome back to In the Oil Patch radio show. Thanks, Kim. It's always good to be with you. You know, I I, I was looking, get preparing for the show, your uh, background, and I noticed uh, you've been with Texoga for over 10 years. That's great. But you've also spent the majority of your life in office. You were the Texas Commissioner of Agriculture for Texas from 2007 to 2014. You also were a state senator from 2001 to 2007, state representative from 1995 to 2001, six years, and then a city councilman for Palestine, Texas from 89 to uh, 91, two years. Thank you for your service. You've spent the majority of your life giving back to the great uh, people of Texas. Well, thanks, Kim. I, I think every one of us has a responsibility to give back, and I'm fortunate that I've been able to serve in different capacities, and some of them haven't been as much fun as others, but it's all been uh, an important role, and whether it's serving on a commission or a committee or, you know, something at your church, I just think everyone needs to participate in giving back, and I've done most of all of mine while also trying to work and make a living. Uh, and so uh, that's just part of who we are as America. That's in our in our fabric. And I'm glad to help participate and to give back. Well, you all released a great report, the Texas Oil and Gas Association. It's titled Energy and Economic Impact Report for Texas, in which in the report, and we're going to dig into it in the show, but um, I remember when I started reporting on oil and gas about 12, 13 years ago, I think we were like at 12 or $13 billion. And those were big numbers. This is this is mind boggling. And, and, I, and I'm going to have you break down for our listeners for them to understand the benefit of what we get when we have these kind of numbers and how it benefits all Texans for the greater good of the state. But let's start with oil and natural gas industry paid $26.3 billion to state and local Local taxes and state royalties for 2023. That is the highest in Texas history, shattering a record by more than 1.5 billion um, last year. So let's jump into the report. You state that American energy leadership starts here in Texas. Tell me what you mean by that before we get into the report. Sure. Kim, Texas is leading the way when you consider that our production today of crude oil is in excess of 42% of the nation's entire production on an annual basis. Uh, we range between 27 to 30% of the nation's natural gas production. The world is a better place today because oil and natural gas are both being exported in record numbers. And that all happens on somebody's land and somebody's minerals that are being developed in a very responsible way, in ways that are taking care of our environment, protecting our water quality. And the $26.3 billion is, is really a historic number. And I want to put that in context, Kim, just how big a number that is. $26.3 billion in state and local taxes and state royalties 
exceeds the general fund state revenues of 36 states. I mean, that's almost three quarters of our entire nation's uh, statehoods that are a part that makes up these United States. Our, 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 our payments alone exceed their general fund budgets. And, and the thing that's really mind boggling to me, this doesn't capture the taxes paid on uh, office buildings and uh, a lot of rolling stock because those are, are not separated on class codes to where it might be from a one ton used in oil and gas versus a one ton used, uh, you know, in a construction site or something like that. And so that's why you cannot capture those. But these numbers are unprecedented. Uh, we're very excited to play this role for oil and gas to continue to be the cornerstone of the Texas economy and certainly a big catalyst for our nation. Uh, and uh, it's making a difference in a, in a lot of a lot of areas. We're going to break down the report because one of the things when I started to report on energy 12 years ago, I noticed how really hard it is to find good data and then to understand what it means. And the way I learned how great this fund is, is it was another life in which I was in um, public service too, but helping people with disabilities. And we had a comptroller had um, nothing bad, but uh, they miscalculated numbers. And I remember Governor Perry at the time required a 20% budget cut across the state. You were probably maybe the agriculture commissioner at that time. And it had an impact across the state of Texas. And within two years, Eagle Ford was born. And it, those numbers were $11, $12 billion from what I remember. And it really put everything back in place. So I want to talk about that a little bit, because in your annual energy and economic report for 2023, you really break these down in a way that everybody can understand. And we're going to carry this on our website, because I think it's important that the people of Texas understand our leadership gets how great it is, Texas Energy. And you guys advocate for it and do a great job. But if the people don't understand the benefit, that's part of the problem. That's part of, I hopefully our role on the radio to talk about it. So let's start with this report. These that that we are seeing, can you break down where we see them impacting the most for the citizens of Texas, economy, workforce, public education? Where's these dollars going? Sure. So first of all, uh, 26.3 billion equates to, you know, about $72 million a day that is going toward funding our public schools, our public universities, our roads, our first responders, and many other. And to be more specific on how that's broken down, school districts receive direct payments of about $2.81 billion, a little less than $3 billion, direct and direct property tax payments on mineral properties that are on the tax rolls at the local level and that goes directly to those schools. Uh, another category, over $885 million was paid directly to county governments when those same properties are taxed yet again and are, they're sent directly to the county government. So those are those are two big numbers right up front. Uh, you look again at our state's permanent school fund and permanent university fund. Each of those funds received $1.8 billion. And Kim, our state's permanent school fund is a fund that gets these revenues from royalties that are paid into the permanent school fund. And then those dollars 
grow in that fund and appropriations are made out of that fund to our school districts through the uh, through the average daily attendance, the WADA weighted average daily attendance that the school districts earn when students uh, enroll in their schools and attend their schools on a daily basis. The permanent university fund it is uh, funded uh, uh, to the University of Texas and to Texas A&M University. Both of those uh, institutions benefit from the PUF, what we call the permanent university fund. So those are those are big numbers there. But it goes beyond that. Uh, you also have two other funds that come to mind on the top. Uh, one of them is our state's economic stabilization fund. And Kim, we've referred to that as the state's rainy day fund. That's essentially the state's savings account uh, of, of over three billion dollars was contributed. It was either 3.1 or 3.3. The report should have that information in it. I want to say 3.3, thinking on the big side here. Uh, but that 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 contribution was made to the state's rainy day fund. And I just tell you, over the years, the rainy day fund has funded things like teacher retirement, uh, okay. county county road funding, uh, disaster recovery. Uh, DPS and other, you know, Homeland Security type efforts that that's been funded by the legislature, dedicating those funds to those purposes out of that state's rainy day fund. But a few years ago, Texas voters also voted where some of those dollars goes to the highway fund, which is I think it's called Highway Fund 6 or something in the state budget that also received a three point three billion dollars that goes to building our roads. And if you're driving on. Texas roads, you recognize we need more capacity on that road system to accommodate the growing number of vehicles. And so that's those are some of the big categories for that $26.3 billion flows. I think the state's rainy day fund is up to uh, over 30 something, $31 billion. I just found the number here. That's the balance of our state. I mean, that that rainy day fund is probably bigger than state revenue budgets as well, you know, in these other states. When you when you think about it, it has to be uh, considering uh, uh, what what our revenues were. So these are big numbers. These are life changing numbers, Kim. These these numbers make a difference in the quality of programs, and it makes a difference ultimately in the quality of life because. None of these figures include the billions and billions of dollars in payroll that that families are employed in Texas oil and gas. Last year, we had over 480,000 direct employees in oil and gas. And then when you consider the indirect effect, that's you know anywhere from a, a 1.5 to 2 million lives ha have are influenced by oil and gas activity in our state in a direct or indirect way, meaning you're employed in an industry that is working for the oil and gas industry. And what does it mean? We're going to go to break you shortly. What does it mean when it says every direct job in the Texas oil and natural gas industry creates an additional two jobs? So that's the multiplier effect, right? Because, you know, let's give an example that a lot of people can recognize Toyota moved to San Antonio several, several years ago now. It seems like just a couple to me when I remember that announcement being made, but it's been over a decade. And so because um, Toyota's factory moved there, you had other 
uh, companies move there that supports that factory operation that's not a direct part of the factory operation. That's what we mean in these direct and indirect jobs in oil and gas. Because we have oil and gas here, there are other ancillary service jobs that are related that would not be here if we did not have oil and gas production. So the ripple effect is very big. It has a profoundly positive impact. There are many different environmentally friendly operations that are created because oil and gas, every well that's drilled has multiple layers of steel and cement to protect our water water sources. There's air quality sources uh, that are constantly being improved in the production of oil and gas. So you just have a, 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 a very large pool of jobs that are directly responsible because of oil and gas. So let's take a quick break. When we return, I want to jump back into the report. I also want to ask Texaga's position on some of the recent announcements coming out of the Biden administration. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Todd Staples, who is the president of Texoga, the Texas Oil and Gas Association. Todd, before the break, you all released your annual report, Energy and Economic Impact Report 2023, here for the state of Texas. It's impressive in, in what the energy industry has been able to do in providing record levels uh, providing energy to our allies uh, on the you know on a global stage. Also, despite a lot of problems that the oil and gas industry has incurred with regulation coming out of this administration, I want to and I want to get to that a little bit later on in the show. But I want to stick with this report because in your report you also discuss while we are making these record amount of numbers for for Texas taxpayers and the people who live in Texas, $26.3 billion in state and local taxes and state royalties in 2023 alone. Um, You all are also in in this report discussing how it has rewrote um, the way that uh, the tax base has been with looking at um, the report for production, exploration, refinery, crude oil supply and tax revenue to the point where it's helping our schools, it's helping our roads. This is a really great report that just kind of breaks down how much the energy industry really gives back to the people in Texas. But you also talk about in here um, how they've managed to do it in lowering air emissions as well. Can you talk to me about that too? Sure. Um, Taking care of our environment is a top priority for our oil and gas company. Safety of our employees, number one, taking care of our environment, also a top tier element. And the thing that we miss, I think, in mainstream media's conversation is that oil and natural gas is actually making life better. We hear all of these um, negative stories, but the reality is we're living longer we're living more prosperously, our quality of life is better, and our environment is actually being improved. And that because we have oil and natural gas, we're able to withstand the cold winters and the hot summers because we can condition our environment and we're and we're taking care of that. I'm very glad that with all of these record-breaking numbers, uh, record-breaking oil production, hitting 5.6 million barrels a day last year, record-breaking gas production, for the first time, we hit 1 trillion cubic feet in the month of October. It set a new record and 30% of our nation's total. Uh, new records for LA, uh, NGL production, natural gas liquids, and new 
uh, records in export productions and in re refining productions. These have all been phenomenal. Kim, all this has occurred while carbon dioxide emissions have continued to decline, methane emissions have continued to decline. 99.8% of the natural gas produced in Texas goes toward a beneficial use. LNG is making the world's environment cleaner worldwide. It's displacing other forms of energy that are not as uh, environmentally friendly as what natural gas is. And, and the thing that really should impress everyone, if you really step back and think about this, all these economic numbers and records that are unprecedented have been set. All of these production records and refining records and export records that are historically uh, beyond anything we've seen have all been accomplished with fewer rigs. We are producing more oil and natural gas today with a fewer number of rigs. And a large part of that reason, Kim, is because of the industry's commitment to innovation and technology, continuously re uh, reinventing the way that you do things. You know, I kind of think America was built on the philosophy of who can build a better mousetrap uh, gets to win the day. And that the, the wildcatting spirit that built the oil and gas industry at the turn of last century is alive and well in this new era that really does allow for American energy leadership to influence the world and for Texas to be the leader here at home. You also say in your report, and this is a quote from you, growth like this we have not seen in Texas. It is not only unprecedented, but it is also not guaranteed. We cannot take for granted that this industry can continue to rewrite its own record books in the face of federal policy blatantly designed to undermine the progress, delayed permits, canceled pipeline projects, closed and delayed federal leasing programs. We hear this all the time from this administration and the recent announcement that they are putting LNG on hold. Um, we, we, we are seeing uh, some of the other associations come out with their uh, position. What is Texoga's position in this in light of this recent announcement? We think the decision by the Biden administration to put a halt on approval of export permits for LNG. To, Thank you for explaining that. I completely forgot thinking that everybody would know what I was talking about. Well, it's confusing, Ryan, because you see so many things, but in order to export natural gas, you have to have a permit from the Department of Energy uh, to export to non-free trade agreement countries and before you even get that permit, you have to have an approval from FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And the thing, the thing that is so frustrating, frustrating, first of all, we think that's a reckless decision. We think it's a dangerous decision for, for reasons that I hope we have time to discuss here. But you, you have to have permits from FERC before you get your permit from DOE. And... Mm -hmm. The reason why this is so dangerous is because it completely pulls the rug out from underneath planters. And even though this is supposed to be a temporary pause, we're told, the reality is this is costing companies millions of dollars and it's costing us lost opportunities. But the most great thing is that our allies and countries that depend on us as a reliable trading partner are now looking to other countries to potentially fill their needs. And so this could absolutely undermine us and have uh, long lasting impacts, even if they were to restore this in the next 
30 to 60 days, which unfortunately, I don't see that happening. There's been press conferences of environmental groups, um, which is really kind of a not even realistic because if you're in oil and gas, you are environmentally conscious. You're actually doing more for the environment than these groups that are holding signs and protesting because our companies are investing billions of dollars in capturing carbon and lowering emissions and replacing equipment. So this this decision by the Biden administration, if you care about our environment, you you would recognize it that it's the wrong decision because oil and gas is actually improving the environment, replacing other energy sources that the world depends upon that have higher emissions than what the use of natural gas does. Todd, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get back on this topic because I want you to cover what is the recklessness decision by LNG on putting a halt on permitting. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Attention small and medium-sized business owners. Are you feeling overwhelmed with back office tasks like payroll, workers' compensation, federal regulations, safety laws, employment standards, and benefits? Don't worry, Unique HR has your back. For over 30 years, our team of qualified professionals has been providing people-centered solutions to help businesses like yours navigate the heavy burden of running a business and managing their workforce. We're the PEO with a pulse, and we are just a phone call away. Call us today at 361-852-6392. Unique HR, the partner you can trust. And we're back. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Todd Staples, who is the president of Texas Oil and Gas Association, better known as Texoga. Todd, you guys released a great report. I'm encouraging all of the listeners to go and understand how when we produce oil and gas here in the state of Texas, it benefits us all, not just a few. That report, 2023 Energy and Economic Impact Report, goes into great details how schools, law enforcement, EMS, roads, transportation, colleges, everybody gets a little piece of the pie of all of these billions of dollars that the oil and gas industry and royalties are paying back to the state of Texas. But we were talking about the recent announcement coming out of the Biden administration to halt permitting on LNG facilities. Um, and I wanted to ask you about the long-term impact that we could be seeing as a result of this, if this goes in place all the way out into November when we see who will be the new president. How do you see that affecting the supply chain or the industry as a whole? What will we see as consumers? Will we see higher prices? And if so, where? What do you see the outcome of this? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah thank you, Kim. I, I think you're really hitting on the real key area that we should all be concerned about. What are the lasting impacts and what will it mean to us? We know that before the crude oil uh, export ban was lifted, there was a lot of concern about what would that do to domestic supplies. But what we know is we're producing now more than ever before. We're using all that we need here at home and we're exporting the rest. And we know that prices have actually dropped from before the ban until after the ban. And so there's not any correlation that really indicates that means prices will be higher. It actually means if we allow for the export of our materials and there's no limits that we'll produce more than we can use and and those at home get to benefit. But looking specifically long-term at this export ban, it has the potential to affect over 8 billion cubic feet uh, per day of of, uh, foregone natural gas production. Uh, of exports, foregone natural gas exports. And our economists looked at this and said, look, if you factor in the pipelines and the processing, this could be over a $200 billion impact. 
This could impact thousands and thousands of jobs over a, just a five-year period if you look at the construction life of these projects and what they would mean. And so if this goes on and goes beyond the election into the next administration before this is resolved, the question we have to be asking ourselves is how long will trading partners wait? I mean, ourselves, if we have to wait in line at a fast food uh, uh, restaurant, we're going to go to the next fast food restaurant that doesn't have many vehicles in front of us. This is even much more serious when you consider these. this energy source is being used to power electrical generation around the world. It's being used for direct supply to homes, to heat around the world. These LNG exports are being used in industrial and commercial uh, facilities uh, so that they can continue to survive. Uh, and it's not something that, that anyone should take lightly because these effects are real and we just don't need to let this continue. I know that Washington, uh, our Congress is looking at some solutions. I read an encouraging report this morning that even Democratic legislators from Pennsylvania and many in Texas are speaking out, um, questioning the, the administration on this decision. So hopefully they'll be pressured to roll it back, but I'm, I'm afraid it could go well beyond past this election cycle. Yeah, well, there's also in your report, you discuss the need for pipelines, and, and we're going to get into that um, after break, because in your report, you have a lot of, of our elected officials, Governor Abbott, uh, Ken Paxton, all weighing in saying they do get how important energy, oil and gas specifically is to the state of Texas. But Washington, there seems to be a consistent disagreement back and forth. And I want to get into that because we also now have issues with pipeline. And I don't think that a lot of people understand that our electric grid is connected into this. So what do we need to see there? Maybe you can break that down for us as well. But I also want to say that, you know, it, it, it does seem a pretty sad day uh, in, in our time when um, the way that groups are coming at oil and gas industries and the way that they are teaching journalists to um, advocate on behalf of climate change. I haven't heard any en energy industry association, Texoga or anyone else, API, say that they don't believe that climate change is real. And this is why the oil and gas industry is doing their fair share to try to lower it. But we have organizations and industry that are coming into our state here and having journalists come in from all over to what they call the toxic tour in like Port Arthur, Texas, designed to teach these journalists to continue to push the wherever they can in trying scare tactics on climate change as opposed to, I just don't see how this benefits any of us with scare tactics as opposed to saying, let's sit down and have a reasonable discussion about how do we do this? It is serious, but we have China, we have India, we have, we live on one planet. We also have other issues that none of these other products, regardless of what they like, rather it's solar, wind, can be created without oil and gas. We're nowhere near getting off of this stuff. So why don't we start trying to work together to message and find out how we have to make these changes because it's complicated. Um, let's take a quick break. When we return, I want to get on what's the pipeline issue. You're listening to the Wall Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. 
And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Todd Staples, who is the president of the Texas Oil and Gas Association. Todd, in your report, you guys also list the need for continuing to work on um, under, helping elected officials, maybe in D.C., understand we need more pipelines here. Can you explain why pipelines are so critical for the development here in Texas? Yeah, sure, Ken, Kim. It's a, infrastructure is really the key here. And, and, and I've got to say that policies can either promote prosperity or they can hinder it. And we know that policies at the federal level and even at the state level can also have an impact. Texas is a, is a pro-oil and gas state, but there are some things that are needed in order to continue to grow. And I'm going to touch on three of those real quickly. Continued pipeline growth is needed because you have to have takeaway capacity, whether it's in the Permian, uh, the Eagle Ford, uh, the Haynesville, the Barnett Shell, the Granite Wash, or no matter what basin you're operating in in Texas, you have to have pipeline takeaway capacity in order to move that product. And as the Permian continues to increase, a lot of operators are telling me that there's the oil gas ratio is shifting to where you're getting a little less oil and more gas as that well life continues. And so you've got to have that takeaway capacity, which ties into the LNG exports that we just mentioned. If there's no place to go with that gas, then that's can only going to back up and have a, just like on an interstate, when you have a bottleneck, it backs people up for miles. That is the potential of what can happen. So pipeline growth is extremely important. We need FERC to do their job on in her state pipelines, and we need to make certain that on intrastate pipelines, there's no hiccups and there's no slowdowns. But particularly for the Permian, um, you ha also have to have transmission capacity from electrical lines. Many of these operators are electrifying their operations. They don't have the poles and wires that are necessary to reach out to these fast growth areas. Kim, no other industry in the world is relying on portable generators for their power sources. And yet that's what's happening in a lot of oil field today. And we know that this growth is going to continue as long as we don't have policymakers dis do crazy things and disrupt it. So continuing this expansion of these poles and wires, and on top of that, additional electrical generation is needed. And we need to make certain that our grid in Texas, ERCOT, the Electri Electricity Reliability Council of Texas, I think I got that right, um, is it is is organized in a way that our electrical market design sends the right signals for dispatchable power generation sources to continue to add to the grid because Texas population continues to grow at a clip of about a thousand people a day. And then when you add on top of that, the industrial growth that we have, particularly in related to oil and gas, that's just a greater power demand. And in order to meet all of that, you need pipelines to move that gas. You need mm -hmm. pipelines to deliver that gas to these electrical generation facilities. These are all big issues and they all get tied up when you have bad decisions coming out of DC that backs everything up. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Todd. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you have to run. Thank you for uh, reviewing this report. And we will have it listed on our website and a clickable link when we push this out. So that way our listeners can also go and, and read this report. It's unprecedented numbers. And the oil and gas industry, despite their challenges, is still finding ways to provide the energy that the world needs and our allies. So good job. Keep up the good work, sir. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for continuing a rational conversation about our energy needs and our future. Appreciate it. In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider. You need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to texasmutual.com TXOGA. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source Side-by-Side Owner Study. 
Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. And now it's time for me to welcome on the new editor-in-chief of Shale Magazine, Robert Rapier. Robert, welcome to the ending of the show in which I was interviewing Todd Staples, the president of Texas Oil and Gas Association, but I wanted to have you on the show uh, to talk to our listeners and our readers about your new role at Shell Magazine. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Kim. So let's begin with this is this is new for us to have um, a, a new role as editor in chief. We've always had an editor in chief, but not one quite like you. Um, and, and part of that, I'll say I'm very proud to say you're really a veteran in the energy industry. Um, your background, um, your uh, writing experience, some of the things that you have done in your career path have just been truly um, amazing. And we're very proud to have you as our editor-in-chief for Shell Magazine. So tell us a little bit about your background of you know what you've experienced in your workplace, employment and stuff, your background. Thank you, Kim. I So I am a chemical engineer. I've spent most of my career in the energy sector uh, I've worked overseas. I've worked um, in refining, in oil and gas production. I've worked in uh, in Montana and Oklahoma and Texas and Germany and the North Sea, Scotland, um, the Netherlands. I've worked, um, you know, I've done due diligence for a billionaire in Hawaii who sent me around the world kicking the tires on energy projects. So, um you know, that that kind of honed my skills in being able to snip out um, BS, so to speak, um, you know, things that, you know, people making claims that didn't quite withstand scrutiny. And that sort of kind of got me to, um, I, I it, it's very important to me. Honesty and integrity are, are very, very important things for me. And so, um, you know, when I write, that is very important. It's very important to write from a fact-based perspective and to be able to support what I the, the points I make and the points other people make. They need to be fact-based and supported by very good data sources. And, and that is a product of many years of, of looking at different projects and different claims and talking to people, some of whom are credible and some are not. And uh, I think that's going to show through in the things that we publish. I think that's um, what I would say I will I will bring to this. We will publish things that are not politically biased. They are not, uh, uh, you know, there'll be opinion pieces sometimes, but they are not, 
you know, they, they won't be political hatchet jobs. Uh, I think it's I think energy policy is fair game, but um, you know, they won't be gratuitous political attacks. I think if uh Biden makes a decision, it's perfectly fair game to go after that decision and say, This is why I believe that's the wrong decision. Um I I wouldn't call Biden senile or Trump a criminal or something like that, That's I think that's not fair game. I think it's fair game to, criti to critique and criticize or praise either way the decisions that they make. Um, I think it's, it's perfectly okay to say gas prices are high because of these reasons and to break it down. And um, the funny thing is, I find that, um, you know, in, in not politicizing things, some people think you're politicizing things because because there are some people who believe that, you know, for instance, gas prices went up because of a certain reason. And you say, well, here's the reason they went up. They say, oh, you're being political because you are shooting down my politicized reason that gas prices went up or my politicized reason. You know, a, a perfect example is last year pointing out oil production set a record last year. And people mm -hmm. said, oh my gosh, you are trying to help Biden. No, I'm just pointing out a fact. I'm not giving credit to Biden. I'm just saying oil production set a record. And, and there are certain people who say, well, that is, you're being political. No, I'm not being political at all. I didn't give credit to Trump when we set records when he was in office. I didn't give credit to Obama when we set records when he was in office. And and so people who give credit to a president, they may think, okay, you're being political because you just credited an oil production record. I'm not being political at all. So I, I you know, some people may think it's political. I, I I'm trying to be absolutely just factual based, and it is a fact. We set an oil production record last year. That in full stop. You know, Robert, you're you you are correct, and that's why I'm very very happy to have you on board. I think it's so important to understand that. This topic, energy, energy transition, energy evolution, whatever word people want to use, we're adding into the grid. We have climate change. We have real issues that are occurring. And this topic is such an important topic to us all. And yet we know so we know so little about it if you're not in the energy industry. And so the importance of you being fair and balanced and committed to writing factual pieces that will actually challenge the reader to understand what they're reading that's so important, and that is your commitment to how we're going to move forward with all of the content is going to be this fair and balanced, and there are editorial guidelines that we will adhere to very strictly. Uh, we've got about a minute left. Boy, time flies in radio, right? Tell us about writers who may want to submit in articles to you for consideration. What are you looking for? So I'm looking for well-supported factual arguments. I'm not looking for, as I said, it, no political hatchet jobs. Like if you want to tell me about climate change being a hoax, I, I don't want that article. If you want to tell me uh, climate change is real, however, most carbon emissions are coming from Asia, and therefore we're going to have a very difficult time in the U.S. controlling that, that's perfect. I mean, that's fine because that's a factual statement. Mm -hmm. um, factual arguments that are well supported by, by reputable data sources and not fringe to the left or fringe to the right, uh, you know, good, reputable data sources. That's the kind of thing that I'm looking for. Well, 
well-rounded uh, arguments are just, you know, facts. You know, uh, you, you want to report on the shale industry development in China. That's a good that's a good topic because shale is going to develop around the world. And that's a that's a good topic to report on. So, uh, you know, good references, uh, sound arguments. Um, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. And, we're, and also, you know, some of the things that you really stand for that you drill into all of the writers at, at Shale and, and Ian Media, you know, Energy Network Media Group is we're not here to do hatchet jobs on uh, renewables and or uh, oil and gas, uh, an Exxon Mobil, a Chevron. We're just going to report facts, truths, help people understand what's happening in the energy sector period, all forms of energy, and let them read factual data. I'm so excited because I think we're in a position where right now there's so much media that's out there that's picking their winners or losers. You're either you love oil and gas or you love solar and wind and somehow or another they can't coexist. And where our stance is, we need them all. And, and you know, they all need a, a, they have a place for this energy evolution that we're going through. And I'm very glad that you're on the team to help us grow in this area and make sure that we stay fair and balanced to our readers, which we owe it to and continue to push out informative content pieces that people can use. So welcome aboard. We look forward to seeing you as you expand out into the community and um, grow our readership. I'm excited for what lies ahead. And anybody wanting to submit a story into you, Robert, they can go to editor at shellmag.com and it goes straight to you. Yeah, we're going to have uh, editorial guidelines up so people have questions about what kind of uh, what they need to meet. It'll be clear. Perfect. Thank you again for joining me on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you, Kim. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.